it's not all the end all be all. I know a lot of people think like, you know, nutrition is all they need, but I kind of look at it like a chair. It's like, you know, you have four legs to a chair and if you're missing one of the legs, the chair is going to fall over. So I kind of think of health in the same way. Welcome to Next to Natural, an interview series from New Organics to showcase conscious parents passionate about living environmentally aware lives while on a journey to raising confident, happy, compassionate, and resilient children. I'm your host, Shauna Yap. For more on New Organics and for all the show notes and upcoming episodes, visit www.nuiorganics.com. Connect with us at the supportive community of other conscious parents via Instagram or Facebook at Nui Organics. Today's guest is naturopathic doctor who believes that nature is our best teacher and that there is no one-size-fits-all cure. Her approach to medicine is getting to the root cause with a medically-based and naturally-focused approach. She practices a trauma-informed and body-positive model of care. Meet Dr. Elizabeth Wade, whose journey to healing began in college and who also has traveled to 30 countries around the world working with U.S. embassies to promote cultural awareness and appreciation. Elizabeth said that she found radical health in Seville, Spain, and now offers a wealth of information about health, wellness, and healing on her Instagram page at Dr. Elizabeth Wade and has a thriving practice online. She lives in Oregon with her fiance and adorable son, Ira. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited to talk to you. Your Instagram page is filled with so much information and it's so useful and helpful. And I see that your audience there really responds positively to it. You're clearly an expert about health and wellness. And you said that you found radical health in Spain. Why was that experience so transformational? Um, you know, Spain is such a magical place for anyone who's been there. They can probably understand the people truly live in a different way than I find us Americans do. Um, you know, they really know how to enjoy life. They spend so much time outdoors. You know, a lot of European cities, the people live in small apartments. You know, the people in Spain, they're just always outside with their community, with their friends. You know, you see 80-year-old couples walking down the street every day holding hands, groups of people of all ages, you know, congregating in plazas and just spending time outside of their homes just with their community and laughing and drinking and eating and just really living and loving life. It's a very different uh, cultural perspective. You know, they really focus on slowness and enjoyment and pleasure. You know, there's so much more of an emphasis on the pleasures of life that, you know, I think my perspective, at least in the US, we're very like goal focused. Everyone's trying to reach goals or get to some place, you know, make a certain amount of money, you know, get X degree. And it's, you know, it's exhausting. Um, I treat so many clients and patients who are completely fatigued, adrenal fatigued, you know, overly stressed, very anxious. Uh, it seems to be very deep in our culture, those types of conditions. And I just really feel like when I was living in Spain, I was able to really sink into that mentality of really slowing down and just enjoying the simple pleasures of day to day that I have a harder time doing here. Was that when you then got your degree and made you pursue health? 
It was a part of the a process. No, I mean, I never, I never grew up ever wanting to be a doctor. I actually, you know, had kind of a negative feeling around the medical system. I just, I never really liked going to doctor's offices. It never was a pleasant experience for me. So healthcare was not really on my radar. In college, in my undergrad, I got really into nutrition and exercise was always a part of my life, but nutrition became a bigger focus in college. And then after I studied abroad in Spain and then went to live there after college for a year and um, just, you know, was continuing to pursue exercise and nutrition and then really realized that mind body piece when I was living in Spain that health was more than just calories in calories burned you know it was there was something else because I experienced a complete shift in my health when I was there and I felt the most energized the most vibrant you know it wasn't that I was eating necessarily the healthiest when I was there you know I definitely drank more wine and beer than other phases of my life when I lived there so on that perspective you know I was unhealthy on a certain level but my body responded so well I think just to that way of life to slowness to not doing so much all the time to walking spending time outside you know being with friends constantly it was just it was different and so I realized really the connection of stress with health that whole mind body piece that I hadn't yet realized previous to that so when I returned back to Chicago and where I'm from I slowly started to see that you know, my health started to feel different in a not so great way and started to pursue yoga and really just started to understand on a deeper level, the spiritual aspect of health, the, the mind body piece. And, and that's what kind of led me to naturopathic medicine over time. But it was a it was a slow progression. It makes me kind of sad to hear what a difference the way people live here is. And especially now because it's during this pandemic. And quite honestly, there's so many positive things that have come out of this negative situation. One of it that I'm hearing a lot is that people have gotten a chance. I mean, the world has been on pause. Many people, I mean, everyone is working from home if they work, spending more time with their families, wanting to be outside more and people just look happier. And I'm wondering what your feeling is about this whole experience and how you think it's going to impact our society going forward. Yeah. I mean, what I'm seeing, you know, in my practice is a pretty equal divide of half of my clients and patients are flourishing. They're feeling really happy and more at peace with the slowness that this situation has brought. They love not having to get in their car and drive, commute to and from work and do all their errands that they're used to doing and filling up their time with. Um, especially my clients who travel a lot, you know, they're finding a lot of benefits in the routine that has come with this issue. But there's also the other side, you know, where I have a lot of people that I work with who are really struggling mental with mental health and, you know, very overwhelmed by the collective stress and anxiety in the world right now, very fearful for their family and loved ones and their own health. I see both very evenly, if I really think about it. It seems to be pretty split. And, you know, the other part of your question of what do I hope comes out of this? I hope that the people who are experiencing the benefits really learn how to implement, you know, more slowness into their life, figure out maybe a job that doesn't travel as much if they're realizing that travel isn't the best thing for them, or if their long commute is really taking a toll on their health, like how to shift those parts of their lives to be more conducive to a greater sense of well-being and a greater scale 
I really hope that I really, I, you know, at first when this was all happening, I had a sinking sensation in my stomach. Like, I just don't think things are ever going to be the same. And that felt very heavy originally, but in the months, you know, that we've been in this, I've come to feel more that things really shouldn't go back to how they were and change is really necessary. And I hope that on an individual level, on a collective level, that society can find ways to change for the better and that we can learn something from this all and come out on the other end in a better spot as much as we can. Do you work with your clients then, not just on their health, food, and nutrition, but also on their mental state? I do. I don't think that you can really achieve full health without addressing, you know, the mental, emotional aspects of health, actually. And and, uh, naturopathic medicine for a lot of like our principles, there's kind of like a hierarchy of health and physical health is actually the bottom. You know, it's uh, mental health is the very top in the hierarchy. So when we're thinking about really helping somebody, you know, if they really want to shift their overall health, it's imperative that we address the mental, emotional aspects of their life and everybody's experienced stress or trauma or grief of some sort generally. So there's usually always something to to work with on that level, even if they're not consciously aware of it on a day-to-day basis. So it's a big part of the work I do is really helping go deep and get to the root. And I often see at the root of a lot of issues is, you know, an unresolved trauma or a stressor that they never were able to fully process or move through. So yeah, it's a big part of what I do with my patients. What, what are those pillars? Yeah. yeah, physical is at the bottom, emotional is in the middle, and mental is at the top. It's kind of like this hierarchy. And if when we're thinking about healing, physical health is often the last thing that heals. So, you know, you have to address the mental health. Because if you think about it, when we're talking about mental health, say somebody is manic or something like that, it doesn't matter if you know, they have got arthritis. If they're in a state of mania, like that is way lower on the total pool of issues to address. And, you know, emotional health can get stuffed down. You know, that's what I see happen quite a bit. It actually leads to their physical issues because then they eat what's not good for them. And when they eat, they're not digesting well. And like it goes on and on and on, right? But they come to you for the physical reason, right? They come to you for that, but you're like trying to get to the other side. Exactly. Exactly. So how, knowing all that you know, how does that affect how you live, maintain your peace and health, and also with your son? Yeah, um, you know, (laughs) doing the best I can. Um, It's... uh, you know, recovering from school, it's funny, you know, school, it's interesting going to naturopathic medical school, you think it's, you know, going to be very health focused, but it's quite unhealthy. So now it's very different. You know, I, I try really hard now to be very cognizant of um, making sure my self care is top of my priority, at least four days a week that I'm not going days without taking care of myself, ideally every day that I'm moving my body in some way. I mean, nutrition every day is important to me we're very focused on nutrition in our families. And it's not about diets. It's just about eating whole nutrient-dense foods. So I don't calorie count, not concerned about eating too much fat or this or that or counting anything, macros, micros. I just eat real food and make sure that I'm nourishing my body every day in that way. And then movement ebbs and flows in my weeks, depending on how busy I am. But you know, I really try to get movement in many days of week I can, even if it's just 30-minute walk with my son after dinner. And, you know, spending time outside and, you know, getting fresh air. I mean, even just 
when I'm working, making sure my windows are open, you know, making sure that I'm getting fresh air every day, that the basics that I'm drinking water, health, I feel like has become a very complicated thing, but I really believe it's quite simple. There's just, there's a lot of layers. Like if you're working with someone in their thirties or forties or fifties, you know, there's a lot of years of things that have happened in that person's life and maybe potentially a lot of years of them, not intentionally, but just not being well cared for because of different things. Like our parents just didn't know usually, you know, what we know now, diets and stuff were very different when I was raised and so it's kind of a, like an unraveling process that needs to happen. I find, you know, when you're trying to get back to health, but once you get there, it's really quite simple to maintain. It's trying to simplify things. It's mindfulness and, um, you know, knowing, knowing the things that cause you stress and anxiety and really avoiding those. And I'm sure we'll get into it later, but there's a lot happening right now that's pretty unhealthy for people if they're constantly tuned into the news, social media, you know, it can be very triggering. Speaking of, how, <laughs> do, you, how do you manage the news and social media in your own life? Yeah. Um, truthfully, I, I tune a lot of it out. I realized that when I was pregnant with my son, who's on, he'll be three in July, and Donald Trump was elected when I was pregnant with him. And it was such a highly tense political time, and I couldn't handle it. There was a lot coming up for me personally around having that type of man run our country. And so I just stopped watching the news. And while that Many people, I think, can feel that that's like avoidant or I'm not staying informed. You know, my partner, he listens to the news every day. So he fills me on and then I get the pieces of what I need elsewhere. But I just had to tune it out. And truthfully, I never really went back to watching any sort of mainstream news. It kind of seems to me like a sitcom. Like it doesn't even <laughs> seem, uh, I, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's, they're trying to get people to react. And it's so apparent to me that it's catchy headlines and facts that are distorted or presented in a way to get a bigger reaction. And, you know, a lot of like right now, the media is just so fear inducing for people. And, and it's just something that I know when I've been more checked into it, my I see that my stress levels and anxieties are higher. So, you know, I just I, for the most part, tune it out. And I really get my news from doctors who I really trust. And, you know, I check the CDC stats every now and then, you know, I don't want to be totally out of the loop. And I try to very much limit it so that I'm not just constantly in it because it's just like a soup of misery is how it feels for me. So what about social media? Because that's also very stress inducing, just the mere act of people yeah. looking at their phone. It doesn't even matter what you're looking at, but it's so distracting. Definitely. Yeah, I have a harder time with social media. You know, it's a part of my business. So I make all sorts of excuses of why I can't do a full media <laughs> detox um, because of <laughs> it being part of my practice. Um, but yeah, you know, I just, I notice if I'm, if I can feel myself starting to get stressed or triggered when I'm on social media, I just, I just, it's a, it's a warning for me to just turn it off right then. And so I, I've gotten pretty good at being mindful of that, but of course I'm human and you know, I'm on social media more than I probably should be. And that is a trigger. Life. 
like yeah you you have to just accept that it is a part of life i i have a love-hate relationship with it and yeah it's enabled us to contact people and talk to people and meet people like i i met you through social media um, right. that's a great gift but it's also very toxic so speaking of i did meet you through social media and your content really caught my eye and i know we've talked about your son wearing natural and organic fibers so have you always because you're so strong on the health field have you always believed in in clothing that is natural and organic and does that apply to you as well or do you mostly believe that it's for children no i think it's important for everybody regardless of age but it definitely is something that's come later in life for me i was very unaware of a lot of environmental toxicity to be honest but I didn't even really understand what natural fiber clothing meant, to be honest, the first time I heard somebody talk about it, which was probably my first year living in Oregon in naturopathic medical school. That's why I moved from Chicago to Oregon. But where I grew up in Chicago, it's not very uh, mainstream. I never heard anybody talking about that. It wasn't part of my family culture or dynamic um, to think about those types of things. And so it was pretty off my radar um, in terms of health, you know, and it's one of those things that kind of came later. So when I moved here, I remember the first time I, um, there was students when we were, our cohort was starting school that were looking for roommates and somebody said, you know, they wanted a carpet free home. And I like chuckled cause I didn't understand how toxic carpet was. And I was like, wow, that's very specific. But now, you know, we're looking for a home and that's on top of my list, like no carpets or if there is going to rip them out. But it's just so funny how that shifted. But I've really learned through the years of being in naturopathic medical school, being surrounded. The Pacific Northwest is very health conscious. And so there's a lot of people here who really care about things that, you know, weren't a topic of conversation in my communities back in Chicago. So I've learned a lot through just living here, to be honest, in addition to school and especially when I took environmental medicine in my last year of school, that's when we really got deep into just how dangerous all of the micro particles of, you know, synthetic things and fabrics and how it's destroying our oceans and in our water system and terrifying when you really dive deep into environmental medicine. So at that point is when I really started shifting everything. We had made a lot of changes by then, but that was the point for me where I really started shifting clothing that we bought and, you know, anything that we purchase really now, I'm looking at where it's made, you know, what is it made from, what went into making it, like who made it and is it made ethically? And yeah, definitely for my son, anytime we buy something new, we're looking at that as well as you know ourselves it definitely is becoming a larger conversation and it's enlightening to see so many people practicing it and wanting to bring that into their lives and nobody is 100 perfect and the world right. is still filled with fast fashion and i also think because of this pandemic that people are just they just have a heightened sense of health yeah. whatever that means to them and mm -hmm. it starts with one thing and my hope is that slowly it'll start impacting other areas. Yeah, I hope so too. Yeah, it's it definitely seems to be a bigger topic of conversation. I love how many new brands are coming out with articles of clothing that are made in the US and made in a conscious way and made with sustainable fibers. And it's just, I can't even go back. I Sometimes I've really kind of 
rehauled my wardrobe in the last four to five years. And sometimes there's something that is a synthetic fiber. I put it on and I, I feel like I can't even breathe in it. I'm just like feel suffocated by the article of clothing. So it's, it's interesting how much I didn't notice that before. And now it's like, I'm very aware. So I find the same thing with food. Once I eliminate it, you know, it starts with like soda or different things like that. And once you eliminate it, it's number one, it's almost like you don't see it in the grocery store ever because you're just not paying attention to it. Number two, you never want to to try it again. Like when I see other people drinking a Coke or, you know, eating a bag of chips, it just doesn't sound good. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's way easier to see. I mean, that's why elimination diets are so effective because it's like normal to you. So you don't realize that something is wrong. If you're eating something that's disrupting, you know, your digestive tract or making you tired or fatigued or causing you pain in some way, you're not going to realize it because it just, it's a part of your everyday life. But when you remove it for a long period of time, that reaction is going to be so much louder, you know, the next time it comes in. So Is that something you work with your clients on, the elimination diet, eliminating different things from their life? Yes, definitely. And I think it very, you know, it's so individual. You know, when I said before, I don't subscribe to one diet. I'm not in the camp that one food group is bad for everybody. I really like to look at the individual and help them figure it out either on their own or I do offer a, it's a very like old school naturopathic food intolerance test, but it really looks at um, that person's genetic makeup and their blood, like how they are able to metabolize and process certain foods. And so usually it's like one thing or a combination. Combination. So, you know, fruit and sugar comes back often. And I've seen that with myself, like mine's potato and soy. And I, I used to never notice that potato and soy made me sick, never would have said I had a problem with that years ago. But as I've gotten stricter and stricter with eliminating it, like even now, if I have chocolate with soy lecithin, it's a very common ingredient in chocolate bars, like a dark chocolate bar with soy lecithin, I feel ill afterwards, I'll check the label and I'll be like, Oh, yeah, it has soy. That's why. So it's like, is that a blood test that you do? Yeah, it's a, it's a blood test. And even healthy foods, things like kale or spinach and things like that, some people can't tolerate the mycotoxins or something that's, I don't know, I'm not the healthiest guy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the, the test I do, I never really comes back kale and spinach. Sometimes it's fruit. That's the most devastating category because fruit is like avocado and olives. So it's like olive oil and everything. But yeah, so I never see really with kale. You know, sometimes people have digestive issues because their gut lining is actually leaking. You've probably heard of leaky gut. And so that's not actually a real medical phrase. It's really intestinal permeability, but that's just like the the cellular layer that um, it guards the gut lining from your bloodstream is um, compromised. And so things are getting into your bloodstream that shouldn't be, and then your body mounts an inflammatory response. And so there's estimates that 50% or more of Americans have leaky gut because our gut lining is so delicate and antibiotics and environmental toxins and stress, you know, all those things can disrupt it. So what do you recommend if if a client has leaky gut? Leaky gut? Um, Removing the triggers or removing, you know, what is causing, you know, whether that be you're getting antibiotics too often or, you know, trying to help them work on stress. It's comprehensive. Identifying food triggers that are inflammatory to that person, removing them, and then trying to repair the gut lining. There's different things you can do to help rebuild the gut mucosal layer back up and things like that. So so you're just full of information. It, it, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah. So as your son grows, so he's three, 
how do you think just how you raise him is going to, how do you think your, your practice is going to affect how you raise him? How do you know what is right without, because I hear a lot of moms saying, well, I don't want to deprive my kids. It's a mindset shift. You know, I, I hear that too. And actually, you know, we have family members who say that to us, like you're deprived because he's never had ice cream before and he's almost three. They'll say that. And it's, I don't view it that way at all. You know, I feel like I'm giving him a gift of a gift of health and he's so happy with his diet. I mean, he, fruit is like his dessert. And if you give him a banana or a mango, he, be your best friend for the rest of your life like he's I just he's so excited about fruit and he eats it every day you know we don't like limit his fruit um you know he's he's got a very well-rounded diet he definitely does not eat like a normal kid he eats lentils for breakfast a lot of days and he eats sardines and his first food was liver pate i mean we're pretty extreme with his with his nutrition um but we also let him guide you know he used to eat anything i'd put in front of him when he was younger but after one he started to get pickier and some days he doesn't want vegetables and that's fine and then some days he eats tons of them he'll always eat fruit he'll always eat well sourced meat and avocados and good healthy fats so i feel really good about his diet and he is uh, if you see pictures of him he's He's a very cheruby child, so he's definitely not deprived. <laughs> yeah, and it's just, you know, it's a, I think in general, you know, not just with kids, that's just a mindset shift. It's like we've created a culture that associates celebration with sugar. And, you know, it's like, oh, it's your birthday, so you get cake or a cupcake, or it's this, you do this, you're going to get a treat. And I think that's a problem in itself. It's just so there's a gift giving yourself health, like that is a true gift to yourself. So you're not depriving yourself if you choose not to consume foods that are toxic for your body, you know, you're actually nourishing yourself and really taking care of yourself and it's a form of self-love. And so, you know, it's hard because we don't live in a culture that generally agrees, but there's a lot of people for sure who feel, I feel similarly to me. And it's much easier here in Portland. I would say most families feel pretty similar to the way we do. So it's not hard. It's a little bit different. You know, where I grew up, I, it's harder going home. He, he eats different things when he's home versus here. So if somebody was listening to this and they thought, wow, I want to get healthy. Where do I start? It is so overwhelming. They may want to work with you, but what would you recommend they start with like three things that they could do at home and notice some sort of difference in their health? You know, I really believe in the basics. So sleep is probably my number one. I think that Sleep is very underestimated for some people. It's really important to not just get seven to nine hours. That's kind of the sweet spot. But having routine and rhythm in your life is very helpful, especially for women and your hormones. You know, our bodies just love routine and rhythms. If we go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time roughly every day, that's such a stress relief for our body because it doesn't have to think about the next time it's going to get rest. Same thing with eating. If we eat at the same times every day, roughly, our bodies don't have to worry about when food is coming next because they know it's coming at you know X hour. And so establishing rhythm is really important for helping your hormones, helping stress levels, balance cortisol. There's so many benefits to having good routine and rhythm with sleep. And so you know, a lot of people have a hard time sleeping and that there's many reasons why that happens, but really trying to get your sleep dialed in 
it's not all the end all be all. I know a lot of people think like, you know, nutrition is all they need, but I kind of look at it like a chair. It's like, you know, you have four legs to a chair and if you're missing one of the legs, the chair is going to fall over. So I kind of think of health in the same way, you know, nutrition is one of the legs, but it's not the whole picture, but I definitely think it's very important. And no matter how many supplements you take or protein shakes, it's never going to be as beneficial as just eating real food. Finding a mindfulness practice, I think just to kind of balance that out as we were talking like mind body medicine, and it doesn't have to be meditation, sitting down and with your legs crossed you know, without a back rest. Like I don't, think that that's the only way to have a mindfulness practice, but finding some way to connect with yourself, even just for 10 minutes a day where you're checking in, you're consciously aware of breathing, you know, in a restful pattern and not distracted and really just nourishing yourself on that kind of level, I think is really important. I love that. You're you're full of so much wisdom. <laughs> and I know you have a family to get to, so I want to value your time. But before I ask them my last two questions, I just want to say thank you. You are a wealth of information. You're beautiful. You, you're bold. You help so many people. Just even on your social media, you really have a strong voice and provide so much value and in, in information. And so I just want to acknowledge you and thank you for all that you do. So for my last two questions, I want to ask, what is the greatest wisdom and advice that you have for your son Hmm. or for any child? You know, just to figure out who you are authentically without my influence, without his father's influence, just be you. And I think there's just so much conditioning that happens. You know, we... From zero to seven, we're, all we're doing is absorbing the world around us. And we're learning patterns and programs from our parents, from our caregivers, from our teachers, from our peers, from anyone we encounter. And we're downloading those programs and we're trying to sort them in a way that this is how mom responds to dad. This is how dad speaks to the male person. You know, this is how the brain develops when we're young. And that's not really truly authentically ours, right? That's our parents' experience. That's our caregivers' experience. That's our teacher's experience of life. And a lot of the work I've done personally on myself and that I encourage my patients or clients to do is, you know, really trying to strip away those programs and don't let anyone tell you what you're supposed to do or how the world is supposed to be. It's like, you know, I think people, we all know deep down inside who we are authentically and what we need, but we get, you know, that our voice can kind of get muffled by the noise around us. So really my hope for him that he just can remain really centered in himself and really find his own way and be his own person. And I I know the impact that we're going to have on him, of course, as parents. And I take that very seriously, but ultimately I really, all I want him to be is who he's supposed to be and who he wants to be. That was amazing. And (laughs) so my last question is what words do you live by? I think it's kind of in the same vein, you know, some, a lot of the work I've been doing in my own personal health journey, like later, like outside of nutrition and exercise and all, all the things we think about is just, you know, is kind of going back to that, like rediscovering who I really am aside from all my conditioning, you know, in my childhood and in my life growing up. And so something that's always kind of, there was a meme I saw several years ago. It said like, don't, un, don't let anyone dim your fire. 
And I just really liked that. I thought it was beautiful. And I think that we're all put here for some divine purpose or reason. And I just think that everybody is so individually unique and special and that they should always feel that way. And I don't see that often. You know, I think a lot of people struggle with self-confidence and self-worth. And I I think that's a product of living in a a culture where we're constantly comparing each other, comparing ourselves to each other. And there's a lot of competition. I think just letting yourself shine, whatever that may be, and just knowing that you're here for a reason to be who you are. That was amazing. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into Next to Natural. We'll be back soon with another incredible mom to share her journey and approach to minimalistic and environmentally conscious living. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app, iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. And please be sure to share it with a friend and rate and review the podcast. This helps other incredible parents find us and help grow the movement to a healthier and happier world. Find today's show notes on our website at www.newyorganics.com backslash podcast.